On this episode of the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International, I continue my conversation with Jesse and Sophie Bentley, Global Scope missionaries to Spain. In the last 16 years, Jesse and Sophie have launched two different Global Scope campus ministries in Spain. We'll hear a lot about the details of what it looked like to launch those ministries and how a German company paid Jesse to learn Spanish. I'm your host, Jake Moore. Welcome to the Fellowship. Hello and welcome back to the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International. I'm your host, Jake Moore, and I am joined for a part two conversation with my friends, Jesse and Sophie Bentley. Hey, Jesse and Sophie, welcome back to the Fellowship Podcast. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, it's, it's so great to have you guys back on here and to have a little bit more time to talk through now your ministry. This last episode, we talked about your journey of faith your time at Georgia Tech, how you guys met each other, and just started to get a glimpse into what it was like to commit to this opportunity to start a campus ministry in Spain with CMF and Global Scope. Um, That was a really exciting episode. If anybody is listening and they didn't hear that part, you need to hear that part first because that's going to give you a glimpse into the buildup of what we're going to be talking about on this episode, and that is launching in vivo, launching a brand new campus ministry in Salamanca, Spain. What year did you guys actually finally launch? You t- you shared before about doing the vision trip, two different vision trips. What year did you guys actually start this thing off? Yeah, uh, vision trips were 2002, 2003, arrival 2004, ministry launched officially with the space and events in 2005. Mm-hmm. Right. So now, we landed in October of 2004, and then we started with our first official in the house event in March of 2005. March 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, in thinking about that, too, Sophie, you have the background in Spanish. Jesse, man, you were kind of dabbling in the French there. Like, what? How <laughs> did that go? Did you have to do language school? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was kind of funny. I was working as an engineer with for a German company and I I asked, hey, will you I quickly realized if you wanted to go anywhere in the company, you had to know German. Hmm. And I asked if they would pay for me to learn German. And they said, no, but we'll pay for you to learn Spanish. What? uh, (laughs) So I actually managed to get a year's worth of Spanish in on my company's dime back in the U.S. because we had Spanish customers. And so so that was that's, helpful. That's a God thing right there. Yeah. That's awesome. That's another one of those signs, you know, that God was kind of pointing you in a direction. Um, <laughs> that a German company says, no, don't learn German, learn Spanish. Spanish. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> that is awesome. So, but yeah, no, Sophie, it was funny because she, she understood so much, but she hadn't been practicing speaking, whereas I had been in Spanish class and, and I could mm-hmm. say like, the car is blue, the car is red. I could speak mm-hmm. something. Then she would listen to what people would say and then she'd translate for me and then I would she'd tell me kind of how to respond. We were kind of tag teaming it there. The dynamic duo. It was was a good team. It was a good team. Yeah, Yeah. it was I mean it was rough, you know, you don't know anything. Uh, the beauty of language learning is you don't know what you don't know and you start to think you actually know something pretty early Mm -hmm. on and you get excited and you keep learning. Yeah. Um, 
but um yeah we went to language school i went to language we both did yeah it was mm-hmm. the first semester was four hours a day of language school and the second was two hours a day yeah but she, i would go four hours in the morning she'd go four hours in the afternoon right because we had a baby um, yeah so we kind of took turns taking yeah. care of we could be in language school that's awesome that you guys were able to do that and that the school had the hours that worked with that too so mm-hmm. you weren't worrying about finding care for the child during that time frame, like both of you trying to go, but you both yeah. getting big chunks of time to commit to that. That's really cool. That's yeah. That's and we, great. and we also had an awesome team with us. Like, you know, we had, like we said, Jeremy and Chris and Alan Kemper were already there on the field with us. So mm-hmm. they were wonderful. Cheryl uncles and Cheryl Johnson, they mm-hmm. were wonderful aunts and uncles to Juliet when we first got on the field, like they would take care of her with a lot of love. So it was mm-hmm. really cool. That's really cool. So yeah. how many months or was it a full year that you did language school? We did we did six months of language school at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, this is an yeah. 04. It, it, so then how did it play out as you're you're looking to launch? Were you looking location wise? Were you meeting yeah. students? Like how did that start playing out as you're doing the language school thing? Well, this was kind of a bit of an awkward thing that happened is we had a we had it, it took us a long time to raise our support to get to the field. So our plan, you know, you always have your plan, right? Uh, was to get to the field during the summer of 2004 and to ha- kind of have that summer to get settled and prepare the way for our first group of exchange students to show up with Alan Kemper. Uh, and they were going to be showing up at the, what, the first week of October. Oh man. Um, and the days came and went and it, turned out that Alan Kemper and the exchange students showed up to Spain before we were there uh, a week before <laughs> us. <laughs> and so that was a, that was an interesting and difficult thing for us was that like, they actually were at the airport with like the signs to welcome us to Spain when we got off the plane. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. But the, the exchange students were always a huge part of our ministry, even obviously even before we got on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alan Kemper was actually exchange student coordinator that first year. And so he he just did a good job of using the gifts and talents of those exchange students to really kind of propel forward. Uh, they were just the outreach mm-hmm. people. Right. So they were just out there to just meet people uh, while we were you know, learning language and kind of yeah. getting our footing and figuring out where we were going to live and all these things. Um, how, how cool is that that? Because they're not focused on language as much. They're dabbling, yeah. but they're, they're not really. They're in class, but right. yeah, they're, they're students. You know, they're, yeah. they're there. They're having fun. But, it, you know, so many missionaries within CMF, I know, they get into language school, they right. get into their language year, and mm-hmm. they start feeling frustrated maybe three months to four months in that I'm not, quote unquote, doing ministry. Right. And you guys really, in a lot of ways, had the benefit, though it was frustrating to maybe see your plans get changed up, that you had all of these interns getting your ministry going and launching while you're getting to focus in on, on Spanish. That's, that's pretty cool that how that worked out for you all. Yeah. It, it, it worked out pretty well. Like in retrospect, we're like, wow, you know, this is, it was kind of <laughs> cool how that turned out. I guess God knew what he was doing. Huh? Yeah, I guess he must have known something. <laughs> <laughs> so now you got an epic number of interns, right? Was that the year that you had some crazy number of interns? Well, in the fall we had seven. And then in the spring we had 12, 12. So yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. And spring was actually when we really launched the ministry. Like mm-hmm. we used those, those uh, exchange interns 
to really help us kind of like at some point we decided to look for a campus house. We thought mm-hmm. it was time to do that. And so we gridded out the city of Salamanca and split them up two by two. And they had to, they had to go research. And we did too, obviously all the yeah. different uh, locations, like prospective campus ministry houses and uh, all around the city. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was pretty neat because those, the group of 12 that came in the spring ended up being our researchers. They ended up being our engineers and construction workers when we did some wow. uh, some renovations of the house they mm-hmm. ended up being our outreach you know with like meeting people and inviting them to come to this launch party in march you know they ended up doing a ton of stuff uh, there was even a week in the spring where we actually were out of we left to go to mexico for a celebration the first global scope celebration mm-hmm. and we couldn't get back to spain on time uh, and so these exchanges ended up being the ministers while we were oh, cool. off in Mexico like <laughs> couldn't get back and they kept the ministry running for us. So Man, that's so cool. Yeah, it's really interesting to see even the ways that they weren't just helping, but they were literally keeping the thing alive while you guys had to be gone <laughs> on CMF business. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Do you guys remember who found the, the location uh, for InVivo? Who found it? Yeah, like w- when you split up the grid, you got the right. two by twos going out. Do you guys have any recollection? Who is it was the, person the first, first place? The first place we ever actually went at. in and visited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we visited a bunch of other places, but we actually went back. We kept going that. back to that one. Yeah, it just kept feeling like the right right place uh, to yeah. be at at that time. So, tell us a little bit then. Like, you got the location. You got tons of exchangers and other missionaries there. Your team at that time is you all. And mm-hmm. who else? Chris, Chris Byrne is there at that time. Chris too. Byrne, Jeremy Lawler, Alan Kemper and Cheryl Johnson. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. guys, you got a, your, your team of six mm-hmm. missionaries. You've got 12 interns for that spring as you're launching things. What did launching the ministry look like? Like, did you just have a Thursday evening gathering similar to what you had shared about in your last episode about how you kept telling Tracy Topple, like, <laughs> no, no, thanks. no, no, thanks. I'm not going to come to the Thursday Bible study. Did you do the same thing? Was it just a Thursday night thing or did you do stuff through the week? How did that look? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot about momentum with the exchange students. Uh, as we saw that they were making a lot of friends and, uh, you know, they would invite people to come hang out. And we saw that they, you know, they could attract a crowd. Mm-hmm. And there were there were, there were a few of those guys that were musically talented and they were they were playing in some of the cafes, playing some little oh, cool inviting their friends. And mm-hmm. so we, we could, we saw that, you know, the invites were, were drawing people. We thought, you know, well, we can take this that we're doing in a local cafe and we can do it in a campus house and mm-hmm. add in, you know, the portion that we're not just here, just purely on a social mission, but you know, that you know, we, we want to begin this campus ministry where we talk about faith and what God has done for us. And yeah. Um, yeah, so we actually had those same guys that were playing concerts in the cafes. The first thing that we ever did was was have them put on a little concert in our new cool. space. And they spent three weeks with us just painting, installing electricity, uh, you know, transforming this empty shell of a, of a commercial space into a campus house. Mm-hmm. And they put on a concert and, you know, we had tons of their friends show up. Mm-hmm. And, and we really felt like, this was an opportunity to to get something started because we had so many people. A crowd draws a crowd, and so that was yeah. 
was really, we leveraged that and we were really thankful for all the work that they put in. So just to give you an idea, we had about 80 people show up for the open house concert. Wow. <laughs> That's said, awesome. Hey, next week we're back here again, our new space, our name's in vivo, and we're going to be talking about faith. And uh, we had half of those kids showed up the next okay. week. Okay. First, mm-hmm. uh, in vivo, Thursday night, Bible study, you know, yeah. whatever all evangelistic evening where it included music, a talk, a skit, uh, and you know, a chance to get to know people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's, that's still pretty good numbers that you had about half. Yeah. Uh, Phil shared with me that when they launched, uh, Eloasis in Santiago, they had a similar event, something like 90 people show up. And so they thought, yes, we're going to have a massive showing next week. And then 15, people or something like that showed up the next week. So it was a slow buildup from there, but it Mm -hmm. sounds pretty exciting that uh, that wasn't quite the case for you guys. You had, I mean, we've definitely had Thursday nights where uh, we've had like very few students show up. Yeah, definitely happened, but thankfully it's not like a consistent thing that happens. Yeah. Well, as you think about those early years of launching uh, a brand new campus ministry of, of starting in vivo Salamanca. What would be like some words of advice that you would give to some of our missionaries with global scope that are launching some new campuses or some of our folks that are even preparing to go. I've been in discussion with a handful of couples and, and some singles that are getting ready to step out into their first term of ministry. What would you guys say are some, sage words of advice uh, for for folks as they're stepping into their first term? I have a few. Yeah. 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 First, that's, okay. That's great. Uh, I, I wrote a few down because I, I feel like I've learned a lot. I keep mm. learning a lot. Um, I, th- I think the first one is to be a learner and to have a sense of humor. Mm. Uh, you're going to make mistakes, so just go with it. <laughs> you know, yeah. We yeah. all have these kind of like war stories of like – language mistakes we've made and Mm -hmm. ways that we've just completely messed up Mm -hmm. and it's okay. It's part of the learning process. Um, Do you have a particular language story? I I don't, I think Jesse does. I can't remember any of my own, (laughs) but I'm sure other people could probably remind me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's one is G G rated. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's the problem right a lot of times they they get posted uh, i was doing a game i remember i was doing a game for students and i told them they had to get in groups and form ovals uh-huh um, but what i said is i said they had to get in groups and they had to form ovaries <laughs> nice so like and oh, then okay okay and then, <laughs> and then just, to, just to keep with that same theme um i remember our very first meeting in Spain was with a um, another campus ministry mm-hmm. that was already present around Spain, and they had, you know, we had we had told them, "Hey, we're coming to Salamanca to to do campus ministry," and so we met up with them and the two women I met with, and and this was all in Spanish. This was very early on. I had very little language, and they were present throughout the country, and I was trying to explain, you know. The difference instead of for them, they would have one worker that would visit five or six different cities and just kind of be a regional worker that we were, in effect, putting all of our eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. That We were going all towards Salamanca. And <laughs> uh, I tried to translate 
eggs into a basket. <laughs> the problem was that I didn't know the word for basket. And, but I didn't realize that until I had always said that we were putting all of our eggs and I didn't, and the word for eggs is also the word for testicles. And so <laughs> these, two, these two women are looking at me where I just pause after saying the word testicles. And just, <laughs> like, what is this guy? What is he going to say? That is some awkward times where, you know, it's, We've we've never had a great relationship with that ministry ever since. <laughs> ever since, for oh, some yeah. reason, they're so turned off by you guys. Wow, that's a great language flub right there. Yeah. I love it, and that you're still dealing with the ramifications of it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, who knows? Well, okay, so, yeah, yeah, Sophie, we can come. Let's come back to your list because you actually were providing us wisdom, not just laughs. So. <laughs> Let's 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 get back to the, the wisdom that you were sharing with us about uh, some words of advice. That'd be okay. great. This one, the second one's a little bit cheesy. I wrote love is an international language. So even mm. if you're not good at the language in which you're trying to do ministry, the love that you have for people will translate and they will be able to recognize that. Amen. So don't be afraid to do that. Um, yeah, the, that's so true. Like yeah. just some of the exchange students who come and serve maybe language was never really easy for them, but the, the effort that they put forward to meeting people or spending time with people mm-hmm. always, more always translated into feeling loved and, and making an impact. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the third one is find ways to love your city and your people. Uh, this mm-hmm. kind of goes with a uh, culture shock, uh, which I went through the first year that we were in Spain. Um, and having people around you who help you to see the beauty in the city and in the people that you're ministering to is extremely helpful. Mm. I think it, uh, as human beings, it's easy to see the negative and to kind of downward spiral and find people who will co what is it commiserate commiserate with you uh, yeah. if you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's kind of a good exercise to find people who will help you to love the city that you're living in, and who'll mm. be excited that you're there, even if you're not. Um, and then also the last one that I have is that this is a marathon, not a sprint. So, mm. you know, obviously it's, it's, you, we moved to, uh, Salamanca, like, I think we were a month behind Puebla. So whenever, uh, the McDays moved down and, and the strikers, uh, moved down to Puebla, we were a month behind them. And so we were always like feeling like we need to like catch up to Puebla mm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think looking back, it's like, each, each ministry has its own path that it's following, right? And so yeah. um, looking back, it, it would have been healthier for us to just focus on what we were doing and focus on our race, our own marathon, instead of trying to like catch up to whatever it is that they were doing over in, in, in Mexico. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it's a long-term thing, you know? Yeah. You can't get no, tired too quickly. Those are all great points. And uh, I hope that whoever is listening paused and went back and wrote those things down. <laughs> Because uh, they are definitely uh, worth. Those are there are nuggets of gold that are worth coming back to and remembering in your first term, and even just for ministry in general. I mean, yeah. it plays. It's funny how you you think of it as something that oh, I wish I had known this in my first term, and also I need to be remembering this every day of my ministry right, right. now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've relearned these lessons a few times throughout mm-hmm. the years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hey, so. That that was all great stuff, uh, Sophie. Jesse, anything that you want to add uh, to that list? Uh, I mean, I think I think that was really good. Um, yeah. 
You can't outdo. Of, you can't outdo Sophie. She, no, she wins I'm on that not one. Not even gonna try. Maybe. <laughs> maybe what I would say. Some of the things that I've learned with time is, you know, the startup phase is really important and requires a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we've done that twice, and that it's been di- different experiences. But you know, there are times when busyness does not equate to effectiveness in ministry, and mm-hmm. and I've definitely been through that type of experience as well, where um, busyness is almost felt like a substitute for effectiveness. Um, and as long as I felt like I was staying busy, it made me at least feel like I was effective. And sometimes that was not where I needed to be. Sometimes it needed to be, let's be less busy and more intentional with whether it's um, investing in my time with God or investing in one relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think for, I, I probably missed some opportunities by trying to be busy and feeling important instead of focusing maybe on one or two things that were really going to be the the most productive. I remember there was a, a time when I was lamenting to Sophie about, I was trying to meet with these students, these guys that just were not responding with the same uh, amount of enthusiasm to meet with me as I had hoped. And I would, you know, they'd cancel or we'd set up a time and then they, you know, we wouldn't be able to meet. And then I was complaining to her that I had this one kid that kept calling me that wanted to meet. And, yeah. and she's like, what? Meet with who wants to meet with you. Don't make this so hard. And, and part of it was because it was so focused on we're here to reach the kids who aren't yet Christians. Mm-hmm. And this kid was already a Christian. Um, but he was a Christian that didn't have Christian friends, that didn't have Christian community, was away from home for the first time in his life. Yeah. And, and he was looking for, uh, you know, someone to connect with. And, yeah. and that was some of the best advice that she gave me. Stop yeah. running after the people that don't want to meet with you and meet with mm-hmm. the, the few who do. And, uh, and you see better effectiveness in, in that in the long run. Yeah. yeah. And the cool thing about that kid is, you know, he ended up being one of the leaders at NVU in Salamanca. And Jesse actually got to marry him and his wife. A couple no of way. Years ago. So, yeah, that was pretty That's- neat that. That's ended up cool. officiating their wedding. Yeah, yeah. and he was friended to Christ yeah. and baptized him through in vivo, you yeah. know. So just I think I think the biggest lesson here too is that you need to keep listening to Sophie. She's, she's got it figured out, dude. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that's obvious. Yeah, I think it's all we all need to listen to Sophie. Yeah, that's what we're learning here. No, that's huge. And I, I think you're absolutely right. We all the time uh, focus on the busyness factor in our lives, in our ministries, and think that that's somehow the more effective uh, or necessary way to live our lives. And we lose sight of the people right in front of us, uh, whether that's in our families, uh, whether that's in our marriage, uh, or as well as just the people in our ministry that are right there that are consistently coming and, and want to hear from you, want to learn from you. So that's huge. Um, well, so how many years did you end up spending in Salamanca. We were there for 11 years. 11 years. 11 years of ministry. I mean, 11 years, I would think it would have started to feel like home. You had three kids then at that point. They had school. They have friends. So you have your own family kind of rhythm and life there as well as then your ministry and uh, focused in on that place. That's a long time to be serving uh, someplace. You know, we spent just over 11 years doing ministry in Ethiopia. Uh, mm-hmm. So for you to be in Salamanca for 11 years is right on par with my family's service there in Ethiopia. But at the end of 11 years, that wasn't it for you guys. You actually started looking at launching 
a second campus ministry in Spain. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Like, how did you make that transition? Was it you were comfortable and you felt like it was time to change? Was it similar to what you guys shared in the other episode of something on a gut level saying, hey, this is a step you need to be taking forward? How did that play out for you guys? Uh, You know, I think it was probably God spoke to both of us in in different ways. Um, I know for me, it started with when we had a large team uh, and I noticed that I didn't feel like our impact was expanded by the same, you know, ratio. Like we had more people on staff, but it felt like we had the same impact on campus, the same number Mm. of students coming to our events that either it was a space limitation or we weren't, you know, leveraging things in the best way. Uh, And I thought, you know, instead of having 10 staff members, what if we had five members on each team in two different cities? And that was really the beginning of, at least for me, of dreaming about, okay, I didn't just move to Spain to minister in Salamanca, but maybe God is doing something beyond just this one city. And uh, at the end of that year, that was 2010, we had a staff of 10 that year, and but then eight left. And, and there were just two of us that next Just fall. you guys? Yeah. We were the team. We went from 10 to 2. And so the team meetings were super effective and efficient. Uh, yeah. It's like, I'll do this, you do that. Yeah. Sound good? Okay, let's go. And, and we had to simplify the ministry a lot. Yeah, we had to simplify. <laughs> you know, there are good things that came from it. You know, yeah. it was a hard transition, of course, mm-hmm. because we were working with really great people. You know, that's a, really a theme that I think that God mm-hmm. has provided for us, getting the opportunity to work alongside great people. And, you know, when they left... It was like, well, I guess, you know, you're not going to go to Madrid and me stay here. It wasn't like that we're going to split up our marriage just to, you know, it was like, well, let's just wait for God's timing to figure out uh, what we can do. So for me, it was just kind of that dream that had started, but then it was just kind of on on the back burner Hmm. waiting for the the right timing. Yeah. And really kind of Sophie kind of brought it more to the forefront again in the Hmm. future. Right. Because when he first brought it up to me, I was like, I am not starting another ministry. Yeah. Like I, I was like, I said no. Because <laughs> so, I remember the first time around, it was really hard. You know, we had we had Juliet, who was 10 months old. It was for me a very hard year. The first the launching of the first ministry. So I was like, I can't I can't do that again. Um, but at some point, um, you know, Jesse started thinking about like he would start to say things like, you know, we need to figure out how to have more impact in Spain. Um, and I, I, at some point when, you know, after we had our, our year where it was just the two of us and then, you know, our team started to rebuild, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started to be like, I'm too comfortable here. Hmm. That's, that kind of started to be the feeling that I, was, that I had in Salamanca. I was like, wow, you know, we've been here for a long time and I'm uncomfortable with how comfortable I am. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe that's just my own problem. <laughs> I don't know. If, the TCK, but, um, you're a third culture kid. Yeah, I was so, like, it's no. time to move. It's it's time to yeah. start to go somewhere else. Um, and I know he had gone, he had taken a few students at some point. I don't remember the dates. Um, and he had gone on a vision trip uh, around Spain with some students from, from our ministry. And I hadn't gone. And I remember... Uh, feeling very left out and having a lot of the FOMO of what, what, why can I, why can I go and figure it out? And they came back from that trip and they were very excited. I think about Valencia. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, and I remember when we had gone on our scouting trip early on before we ever even left for Spain, 
I had not liked Valencia at all. And so I was like, well, we're not going to go to Valencia. And he was like, well, let's go as a family vacation and let's go see it. And when we went with the kids, I absolutely loved it. Um, really? That's and funny. Yeah. And so it was, I, I feel like it was kind of like the veil yeah. came off of my eyes and I was like, wow, Valencia is awesome. Hmm. And, uh, and after that, then we started talking more about, well, what if we move as a family and, and start a second ministry? Uh, but it took me a while to be comfortable with that, to, yeah. to feel like we needed to leave Salamanca. Yeah, part that, sorry, part of that scouting trip that we did in, in Spain was with some of our former exchange students, Jordan Core at mm -hmm. the time, Jordan Ginalat now, she was a part of that trip uh, along with Brooks. And they were kind of there from the beginning of the kind of the dreaming and the the choosing of the of the location and mm -hmm. and and I think that's that's just been something that's exciting. Like God puts that burden on multiple people's hearts at the yeah. same time that kind of points them in the in the in that direction. Yeah, that is that's so cool to hear. And and for you guys to see your team dwindle and think, okay, well, if that's not going to happen. And yeah. then team starts building back up and opportunities start coming together. There are no's out in front of you and that suddenly become obvious yeses. That, right. I mean, that, that is such a cool uh, way to just think through just even the story of your life and your ministry uh, mm -hmm. in Spain. So from there, then how did you finally say, okay, it's it's time for us to st step out and launch this. Was it seen as a launch from Salamanca, like the Salamanca team, like your original vision, Jesse, of we're going to split the team and go into a new location? Or was this more like the Salamanca team is staying here and just so Sophie and I are going to go launch this new thing and hopefully Jordan and Brooks will come, come along someday? Yeah, you know, I had proposed it to other folks on the team and even sent uh, a few of the guys who were on the team with us or three of them at the time. We said, hey, go take a few days, research Valencia, pray, see if this is something that you, you feel called to do kind of as a group that you want to be this launch team. Uh, and they came back and they said, no, we don't feel called to that. Hmm. Um, and and so that was really kind of when Sophie and I started thinking okay, is this more in our laps now, if this is going to happen? And, and Brooks and Jordan were, you know, they were excited about it, but they were in seminary, so they couldn't take action at the time, you know, and, and rightfully so they invested in, in going to seminary beforehand, which was great. Um, and I, I remember just looking for confirmation in, in different things. And I had gotten an email from one of our supporting churches that said, Hey, you know, we have money for missions, but we want to give to special projects. Uh, we don't want to give to just your normal operating budget. Do you have anything special or anything new coming down the line that you are looking for funding for? And I remember thinking, oh, that's such a cool thing that they're doing. I wish I had something new that was going on that I could write about, but I don't. So it's at my inbox. It's at my inbox for six months. Yeah. And then after we did that scouting trip, it's kind of like, you know, I'm a little bit slow, but eventually I get there. Like, you know, the, the everything kind of fit together. I was like, oh. Oh, I guess I could ask for funding for this new mission, the new <laughs> ministry that you know we've been talking about and praying about. Yeah, and you know, so wrote up a proposal and and asked for a certain amount, and and they got back to me after a month, and they said, "Yeah, we want in on this. We want to be a part of this with you." And I was, and this has been, you know, our a huge supporting church from the beginning for us in, mm -hmm. in East Tennessee, and we just said, "This is the kind of sign that we're looking for that God is in this," and and that really helped us make that decision too that. 
that if the folks had been behind us uh, from the beginning for the first plant, we're going to be behind us for the second plant. That yeah. was, that was a, a huge factor for us. Yeah, that's massive. Well, that, that and it's exciting to, th to see how, yeah, slowly all the pieces started fitting together uh, and that you guys are moving forward with this. Now, you didn't have people necessarily join you on the launch team, which sounds pretty different, though, from your original launch with the Salamanca and Vivo. How did that play out in that first year? Yeah, you know, did you have exchangers show up? Did you ever have teammates show up? Yeah, well, actually, the team, we started building the team before we even moved. Uh, Eric and Aaron Alsop had heard about it through Perry Rubin and, and got connected and uh, went through the affiliation process. Uh, Noemi Martin, who had, had been a member of uh, a part of Invivo as a student and had been in Global Scope already with Chile, was excited about joining the team. And so we were able to form a team uh, before we actually moved. Um, but the launch process was totally different because we didn't all arrive at the same time. We didn't arrive with seven exchange students, mm -hmm. you know, and then 12 exchange students. So it was a much, it was a slower process yeah. overall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we just, we saw, we saw a big difference in uh, just the impact that our, that exchangers have on the ministry. You know, we mm -hmm. went from 12 in the, the first, the first year in Salamanca, and I think we had one. Yeah, we had, we had, we had one. one, and then we had two, and yeah. then we had one. You know, so it's just a slower, um, mm -hmm. yeah. never had that crowd right. of students yeah. generate the same momentum. So the momentum has been built mm -hmm. through years, rather right. through, mm -hmm. you know. Which touches month. back on what you said a minute ago, Sophie, about that recognizing it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. In yeah. some ways, the mob momentum made you guys maybe feel like you were sprinting a little bit that you're running unhindered. And this is, this has been more the marathon journey and establishing right. things a little bit slowly. Um, yeah. That is so intriguing. And now with 16 years of ministry in Spain as missionaries with CMF, I'd love to touch on a couple things that I have asked a number of our missionaries and former missionaries about things that you have found to be life giving uh, through the ups and downs of ministry. And then maybe even some things that have been life draining. So what would you guys say in this 16 years uh, of doing ministry now, almost 16 years, I know it's, we're getting ready to come up on it, but what, what have been some points that have been really like life giving to you? Is it a, a rhythm throughout your week, a rhythm throughout your month is, has it been, particular moments in life that have been life-giving and you just keep coming back to those like touchstones. I'd love to hear, hear some of your thoughts on that. All right. I think for me, what's kept me coming back every year, year after year is I, I feel like there's always been at least one student hmm. that I just wanted to continue. Like I felt like, okay, my relationship isn't over with this student. You know, like I'm like, I want to keep seeing how God is going to change uh, this student's life. And so it, I feel like every year I could tell you this student is the person, the reason I came back that year, this student, you know, and yeah. so it's, it's just a chain of students that keep coming. Small groups for me are very life-giving. I'm not a big groups person. I prefer to be in groups of two to three, you know, me plus two or three people. Uh, and I feel like I, you get to see people's hearts and you get mm -hmm. to share what's in your heart that way. So that's life-giving to me. Um, other things, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah I, th I think that's a great question. I remember some things that I, 
<clears throat> really loved uh, was when we got to um, do Thanksgiving yeah. with mm. a few students and we would call it snob Thanksgiving. And, <laughs> you know, was it wasn't because, you know, we've done these big group events for Thanksgiving, which is, is really great. And it's a great way to leverage that holiday for ministry impact. Um, but there was a, a lot of fun in doing it with a smaller group mm-hmm. of students mm-hmm. and just kind of being like, this is a little part of home that, that we miss and that we love and we want you to be a part of it and kind of welcoming a student into your uh, just closer connection as a family. And um, those are always life-giving moments. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the moments when you get to see um, confession of faith, baptisms. I remember mm-hmm. the first baptism we got to do was actually one of our exchange students. We were on our very first retreat in this old Spanish farmhouse that had been converted into a retreat center. And there was this stone trough uh, in the courtyard of this place where, whether that was for where people would get the water or they would feed their animals. I don't We're know. not sure. Um, <laughs> but it, it was large enough to get a small person into and freezing cold water. Um, no, he put in hot water. We asked him to so put in like boiling water for five minutes and we ended up turning that into a baptistry. And so that, yeah. that memory is really special for me. Um, Tanya Gustafson uh, got baptized there yeah. in, in Northwestern Spain in an animal stone, animal trough. <laughs> That's that so was cool. A cool moment. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of those things kind of keep you coming, coming back. And then I don't want to overplay this, but I think it's been really important to have the, for Global Scope, the Global Scope celebration on a yearly yeah. uh, format has been really life-giving. Mm. Uh, and I think it's a real luxury in a sense that we've been able to do that. We did that 15 years in a row, no interruptions until uh, COVID-19. And, and, and even the times we've been able to connect out with furlough celebration have always been a special blessing as well. And so having that yearly check-in where you're reminded that you're not alone, people are praying for you, people love you. Yeah. I don't know if missionaries get that enough and we got to do that in person every year for 15 years. I think that has a lot to do with why we're still here mm-hmm. doing what yeah. we're doing. It's almost ran parallel with your life in ministry in Spain. So yeah. And yeah. I think both of us would probably say there's been times where each of us were ready to quit. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. walk out. You know, whether that was every year or every other year. And um, we've we've kept pulling each on each other, I think. Like, okay, let's go a little further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, having one another through this. Yeah. I know without her I would have left a long time ago. Um and so God has given us what we've needed to continue in in mission mm-hmm. together. Yeah, and and I, I do want to say, you know, people like Rick Harper and Perry Rubin, Pete Coco, who continue to breathe life and to, who continue to just take the time to talk to us, send us messages, encourage us, um, all the time. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's amazing to have people like that who continually remind you, hey, I believe in you. You know, I, I, you're doing great, a great job out there praying for you. Like it's just extremely life-giving, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would think those probably those words of encouragement have come at different points when you felt like quitting and you felt like packing it up and and leaving. So that's huge that you guys have had those people uh, in your life and to encourage you along the way. Well, I am so grateful for you guys and for this time that we've had together uh, on this second part of our conversation, the second episode. It's really great. And I feel like we could do like four or five episodes like you were joking about 
uh, off camera, Jesse. We should do this. Is the the Bentley show? We're going to turn this from the Fellowship <laughs> Podcast to the Bentley Bentley Family Podcast. Uh, now, I I'd love to talk more with you guys uh, sometime in the future, but uh, I'm just grateful for this time and everything you just shared about uh, that has been so life giving. I want to end on that note. So. Thank you guys for this time and for your faithfulness uh, to Jesus over the last 16 years of ministry in Spain. Uh, you guys have been a source of encouragement uh, to me and my my family, to my wife and I, and I know to so many people. Uh, and so we're grateful for you guys and what you do. Thank you so Thanks, much. Guys. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International. I hope you were just as encouraged as I was from this conversation with Jesse and Sophie Bentley. There was so much wisdom from this time, so many key takeaways, like some of the things that Sophie said, qualities of a missionary, that they should be a learner, that they should have a sense of humor, that they should recognize that they're going to make mistakes, but they got to keep pressing on in ministry. And then what Jesse said, busyness does not equate to effectiveness in ministry. Man, That's crucial to remember, and I pray that you will remember that going out from this conversation. Now, get out there and connect with what God is doing in the world around you.